mean, it's it's one thing to be, to be flirty and everybody's having a great time, yeah. but I'm I'm seeing that you know even if it's just kind of that energy being used as a manipulation, you know yeah. that can be something where it's like hmm, maybe I should just kind of check myself a little bit because I might be having some leakages here of sexual energy. Hello, beautiful souls. I am so, 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 so excited to release this episode of the podcast. It is a juicy one. I am welcoming today Jesse Woods. And Jesse is an intimacy coach, an addiction recovery coach, an athletic trainer, a healer, and the developer of aqueousage bodywork. She is known in the sports medicine world for her teachings on sexual energy transmutation for athletic performance. And Jessie helps clients get to know themselves deeply and just live a life of passion and purpose, which Jessie so deeply embodies herself. She is currently celebrating 10,000 hours as a practitioner, and I am so excited to have her on to celebrate this achievement of hers and to share with you her knowledge, her experience, the laughs, and the many intimate moments and juicy shares that we have for you today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Big Little Soul Podcast. Maybe let's just just drop in, just close our eyes down for a minute and just feel our seat bones in the chair. Just getting present to all of our senses. What can we smell right now, taste right now, hear right now, feel right now, see right now, even with our eyes closed. And just taking a nice deep breath in through the nose and just pausing at the top for a moment holding that breath at the top and just becoming aware of what is at the forefront of your mind what's present for you in your heart and your body right now and as you exhale releasing any tension fear stress anxiety worry, judgment, just giving yourself full permission to be in this space, in this moment, right here, right now, and taking one more deep breath in through the nose, and out through the mouth. And when it feels good for you to flutter your eyes open and come back into the space. Mm. So I am (laughs) so honored to have you on the Big Little Soul podcast, Jesse. For our listeners, just a brief introduction of who you are. You are an intimacy coach. You work in addiction recovery. You come from a background of athletic training and really you're a healer and you're just bringing so much 
knowledge and wisdom into this world and some new things into this world of intimacy and coaching and embodiment practice. You have developed a technique called aquiassage as a bodywork practitioner. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to have you here today because I feel like there are so many juicy topics that we can dive into in this conversation. But first, I'd just like to welcome you to the Big Little Soul podcast. Hmm, thank you. I appreciate that. What a great introduction. Thank you. Hmm, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for being here. And I would just love to start out by just having you tell a little bit of your story as to how you got to where you are today. You started out more in the medical field and mm-hmm. in athletic training, and that's kind of shifted and molded into the more intimate body work practices that you're doing now. So I'd love for you to just share whatever feels most resonant for you to share with the listeners as to how this path has unfolded for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, uh, going to college for sports medicine. Um, I loved, I've always loved the human body and been fascinated by, um, injuries and, and just kind of the mechanics of how the body works in a very kind of science logical way. Um, and just being in love with sports, I felt like sports medicine was the way to go. So, um, that was kind of my formal training was, you know, you have an ankle sprain and this is what you do. You break your back and this is how you rehab it. Uh, which very much resonated with me. I like that a lot. Um, and I ended up going into the surgical field as well with sports medicine. Um, and I loved it, although I felt like there was always something kind of missing for me. Um, mm. And I ended up about seven years ago, kind of leaning into the natural and alternative side of healing. And I'm really glad I did, because it feels like I can kind of bring in both sides um, the, the science and logical side and my crunchy granola woo woo side. And <laughs> I love the combination of the two just feels so perfect for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then as far as intimacy coaching, mm-hmm. I love for you to maybe expand on that a little bit too, how that weaves into this work with when you're working with the body and you're working with people, especially who have been former athletes or who are athletes. I think this term intimacy, and you can speak to this from your own experience and your own knowledge, but I think intimacy in our Western culture, it often gets segregated to the sexual. Yeah. And so I'd love for you to talk about just the, how deep intimacy is and how broad the category of intimacy is and how this plays into your coaching practices and just who an individual is as a whole, when they can tap into that intimacy, when they work with somebody like you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so intimacy coaching. Yeah. It's funny. It's definitely different, different reactions when I tell people what I do. And, and the most common one is, Oh, are you a sex coach? And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I guess I don't even know exactly what that is, but it always sounds kind of funny. And I'm just picturing <laughs> myself with like a whistle watching two people having sex and criticizing <laughs> their position. And I'm like, so it's, it's hilarious, but that's not at all what I do. Um, so it very well does have to do with sex. And oftentimes it does not, um, I see it as, you know, breaking down the word of into me, I see, and it's, to me, it feels like almost like the art of getting to know yourself. And, um, it, 
you know, in general, that concept of why would I need help doing that? Why would I need to hire somebody to help me understand who I am? Um, but man, oh man, I, I've hired various people myself throughout the last seven years or, or done specific work with different people, been in different recovery groups and having the help of somebody else who's gone through the journey of kind of uncovering who they really are, what their core values are and, and just kind of what, what their purpose is in the world and, and being able to work with people individually or as a group to kind of help bring out layers and layers of me being able to understand who I am has been so helpful. So mm. um, to be able to have somebody hold a safe space for you, whether it's, you know, virtual over the computer or in person um, to be able to kind of walk you through steps of being able to uncover who you are. Um, I know for me personally, it was something that the older I got or the more, you know, life threw at me, I feel like there were instances where I kind of got further and further away from who I really was. And, yeah. um, and so that's kind of just been the focus the last seven years of my life is to kind of dive back in and understand who I am. And at the very beginning, man, it almost felt like kind of a newborn baby or a toddler kind of getting my sea mm. legs like who am I really I you know I in 2015 I um I joined the group of being in recovery and and um I ended up getting clean and sober from drugs and alcohol and I was uh kind of just coming into the world feeling like an empty shell but I felt like a a new person so um in order to be able to get to know you know who I was on an intimate level just that concept of looking, you know, into me, I see, um, mm. uh, that was, that was a huge thing for me. Um, I ended up working with a, a life coach at the very beginning, um, who was just kind of a, a life coach in general. And she was the one who suggested this path for me. Um, and I, the life coach thing really resonated with me, but really, you know, a specific niche of it was, was helping people with just intimate aspects of their life and understanding who they are. And oftentimes that means talking about subjects that are super uncomfortable, like death and birth and sex and all of these subjects that, you know, it would, it might be a little taboo if you brought it up at the family dinner table, but <laughs> having, you know, this safe space with a coach is, it's like, you can literally say anything and, um, and, you know, no judgment and fully accept and, and all that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah I love how you describe that and that the whole breaking down the intimacy into, into me see, mm -hmm. I, I've heard that before. And I just, I think it's such a beautiful way of looking at it because it really, it does take kind of the sexual connotation away from it and mm -hmm. really puts the emphasis on like intimacy is really exactly, as you said, it's, it's getting to know yourself first before yeah. you invite somebody into that space. Yeah. And so often I, I love and really acknowledge that you shared that part of this journey for you has also been the recovery from addiction because, and this is, this is a huge part of the work that I'm doing now. And part of the course that I'm taking right now in addictions recovery is that addictions I find so often because addictions are ways that we numb ourselves and that we distract ourselves. Mm. And so I have connected with so many incredible healers and people who are just doing truly phenomenal work in this world that come from a history of addiction. And I think there's so much power there because it is, it's that process of learning to 
not distract, to not numb, and to essentially rediscover the self. Because I believe anyways, this is my personal belief that much of who we truly are is who we came to this earth as. And so much of our growing up and conditioning in society and addictions and those things in our life that take us away from that are simply what we then at some point in our journey learn to overcome in order to get back to that true essence of self. Yeah. And so I love, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing about your addiction. And I would love to know what maybe one or two or three of the biggest things that you learned about yourself in this process of recovery and rediscovering your true essence of self have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been quite a ride (laughs) and I love it. It It hasn't been, you know, completely easy. That's for sure. It's not all sunshine and lollipops, but it's definitely, uh, life is so, so much better. Um, but you know, there is something really interesting and I just, I feel like I just learned this within the last year about myself, but I was asked the question about, um, you know, what was, what was the reason that drew you to, to your drug of choice or, you know, whatever you, whatever you wanted to use to either numb out or get a specific effect? Like what were the reasons behind that? And I remember I was going kind of deep into a meditation and almost like putting myself in the place of, you know, at the height of my use. And, you know, there were definitely a handful of things that I would use, but I would say, you know, the primary thing for me was cocaine, definitely Mm. uppers. And, and I remember like kind of just sitting in this meditation and kind of thinking like getting into the, into the brain or, or the self of who I was then when I was really, you know, at the height of my use. And I think I was what I was really looking for, what I was kind of, you know, attempting to to gain by using was, was really interesting. And it was that I wanted to, um, to connect with people mm-hmm. um, and have like these deep philosophical conversations where, you know, we're, we're saving the world. Of course, you know, the next morning you're, you totally forget what you're talking about and it was gibberish. <laughs> but at that moment, you know, during those, the cravings of use, it was, I wanted to connect with other humans. I wanted to have these deep conversations Um, I wanted to lift myself up out of this kind of low vibration or sadness or depression. And, Mm -hmm. and I also felt at times like it, it almost helped organize my thought patterns. So it was like, those four things were the driving factors of why I wanted to use. And it, and it's so interesting because it's like that temporary and false, you know, substance that kind of made me feel like for that short period of time, I was able to accomplish connecting with people and having these deep conversations and feeling like, you know, inspirational and I could take over the world and, and that my brain was on point. It's like all of that, you know, disappeared shortly after. And then you're, I was just kind of left with, with feeling even worse than before. And so after I came out of that meditation, when I realized those things like, wow, that was, you know, the list goes on and I could probably think of many reasons why I use different things or, you know, you use alcohol for this or you use downers for that. Mm-hmm. But when I thought of that, I was like, wow, those factors I'm actually doing right now in my life as an intimacy coach, like I'm connecting with people. I'm having these deep conversations that are, talk about purpose and what are, what we're here on earth to do or what, what we want to inspire for each other. And, you know, through doing intimacy coaching, as well as some deep trauma work, like my brain's all of a sudden working like in an organized pattern, you know, I think I, I think I was 
believing that I had just progressively worse ADD every year that went by when really, I think it was just um, unhealed trauma. So when I did all the work, I was, I was like, whoa, that was so profound. Like all of those things that I was reaching for with drugs and alcohol, I'm really accomplishing, but for real this time through intimacy coaching. Yeah. And it was such a relief. And it's like, the further I get away from these low kind of vibrational substances, the clearer I can see that like, and it feels like a breath of, of relief too. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm really, now I'm actually getting all these things, those itches scratched that I was looking for before, but in yeah. a sustainable way. And it's like, I'm building on them. And I love that. And I think that I don't, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now for a career. Um, if I was numbing out. Yeah, um, no, and, definitely not yeah. being yeah. an intimacy coach. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that the things that you shared that was what you were looking for when you were using like that sense of deep connection. It, isn't it funny how I find that's a very common reason for people to mm-hmm. use any kind of substance. And yet when one finds themselves using a substance to connect with others, the very essence of that substance is disconnecting them from themselves. <laughs> totally. And so, the other. It's yeah. not really present. It's, it's, like, it's an illusory connection. Yeah. It's just, I find more what substances do. And I speak from my personal experience. I was never an addict, but certainly in my younger years when I drank, which I don't do anymore, I only ever did it because I wanted to fit in. And I realized in saying that alcohol was no longer a fit for me, it was no longer in alignment for me and no longer vibrated at the frequency that I wanted to be living my life at. I realized that the alcohol, all it had done for me is it had given me the courage to express my true self and just be outward and and not give a a fuck for lack of a better term about what others opinions of me were at the time when I was intoxicated. And so Mm. then the work in that was then stepping into this version of myself where it's like, okay, well, can you live in that state of being sober? And yeah, like just sobriety, I think is the most intimate way to experience life. Yeah. It really is. And, and sometimes, you know, even just going back to that word intimacy, and I'm going to bring it into like the sexual sense right now is so much of who I am and, and who I believe every human is just maybe at a, at a lesser extent or, or, or more tapped into, um, I am a very sexual person. And I think that, um, you know, whether it was myself or people around me or different criticisms or judgments or, um, you know, versions of what I thought people thought of me, I had, I struggled with that a lot. And so Mm. sometimes I would even use to try and shut that side of me down. I think sometimes people do the opposite, but for me, it was almost like I was able to like shut down this fiery sexuality that I was shamed for. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, it didn't really do any good. It just kind of shut things down so that it almost kind of, um, came out in different chaotic ways too, or, or ways that felt like they were more impulsive or compulsive than, than necessary. And Mm. that also wasn't me too. So it's like being able to find that balance of understanding who I really am and making peace with the fact that I'm a super sexual being. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean like sex, 
like to me it's like oh my gosh when you're cooking food like that's super sexual or when you're you know praying or meditating like so spirituality mm-hmm. and sexuality to me are so one in the same and 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 I'm very much that <laughs> so Beautiful. being able to say that and just kind of be out loud about it and 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 own that shit that feels really really good to me um absolutely yeah yeah. So yeah. that was a, that's a huge part that feels like, Ooh, I don't, I, who am I hiding that from? Why do I need to hide that? If somebody has an issue with it, I'm pretty sure it's their issue and not mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love that you bring that piece into, and I've actually spoken on this in a few former podcasts. I don't know if you're familiar with the term Eros. I've heard it used in many different ways. Tell me. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's essentially exactly what you were just describing is that it's sex is not vaginal penile penetration mm-hmm. and, and like eroticism and orgasmic nature is alive and available to us in every moment of life, whether that's exactly, as you said, it's meditation or it's cooking or it's being in nature or just conversing with another being, or maybe it is a more quote unquote intimate act like massage, but you don't have to be actually engaging in sexual intercourse to experience an erotic sensation and orgasmic sensation. And so the term Eros is the embodiment of this concept of Mm. living your life, seeing that this is available to you and, and deriving that from the very essence of the moment of life and then allowing that to transmute and weave into the sexual, which then just elevates sexual experiences just to the nth degree once you've been able to find that in the mundane in the mm. ordinary right because then yes. the the extraordinary or the sex extraordinary i guess we could call it becomes truly orgasmic and yeah so i just thank you for bringing that up i mm. absolutely love that awesome <laughs> yeah it's so cool and it makes life so much fun too you know, Absolutely. and it's like, you had made a comment about seeing a photo from, of myself from a festival. And we were talking mm-hmm. a bit about the Tantra festival. And yeah. I remember the the first time I went to something like that and, you know, a lot of it is breath work and dancing and, and, and it's far from like a, I mean, maybe some Tantra festivals are big orgies. I have no idea. This <laughs> particular one that I was at had nothing to do with that, but essentially we were just really tuned in and tapped in and turned on to like who, who we were. And, and, you know, a lot of it was, was a very, it was a very spiritual and you're out in nature and being very primal, just kind of like mm-hmm. prancing around with bare feet, getting all muddy, which is totally my thing. Um, and I remember kind of as the week was coming to a close at this particular festival, it was like, I was kind of feeling like I was just what you were saying, embodying that, that Eros. Yeah. And I remember walking by, it it had just rained. And I remember walking by a palm tree and it had like grazed my shoulder. And I let out this huge, like orgasmic sound. I don't even know. I was by (laughs) myself and I was like, whoa, what is that? I was literally just grazed by a palm tree leaf on my arm. And that was better than any ecstasy I had ever had in my life when I was back in whatever my club days, like it, I'm like, oh man, I used to take a pill to try and achieve that. Like, this is where it's at, man. This is. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Heck yes to all of that. And yeah, all of those elements that you're speaking to that were kind of woven into that festival, like dancing and breath work, 
all of those are so potent when it comes to connecting to ourselves and, and getting intimate with ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I've experienced full orgasmic release during breath work alone. And it's, it's amazing what's possible when you tap into these realms, like just being grazed by a leaf of a tree and having like a really erotic moment. It's, I'm sure for some people who are listening that have never experienced this, this might sound kind of out there and woo woo, but I just invite you to open your mind and your heart to the fact that this is possible. And it is, it's exemplary of your connection to self when you are deeply connected to self and you have taken the time to get to know your own body and your own sexuality and your own nature and the very essence of who you are, then when something seemingly small, like just that leaf grazing your shoulder as you walk out barefoot in nature, that Mm -hmm. truly becomes a blissful moment and a moment where you're like, wow, like this is what I was seeking for so long through so many external means. And yet Mm. here it was right here available to me all along. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, and I remember even in that, in that instance, it was super beautiful. And if I were to rewind that experience three or four days earlier, I would have been that person you were just describing, which was almost like, like one, how is this even possible Two, like, this is just a little too woo woo for me. I remember arriving at this particular festival and, you know, and (laughs) no judgment, but man, everybody smelled like patchouli and we're like, Mm -hmm. really like using all these spiritual terms and, you know, holding containers and space and all this shit that like, sometimes (laughs) I just like, that's just, sometimes that's not my language. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, like I, I grew up playing hockey. So sometimes that's my comfort zone. Like I'm around the total opposite sometimes of these kind of these crunchy people. And so I remember arriving there and being super judgmental and kind of just like, being almost uh, what is this ecstatic dance like I can't you know I'm like almost I'm too cool for this or I'm too good for this I'm not sure what it is but that's always to me when I get that judgment hat on of like this is too crunchy granola and I kind of lean towards like you know my this is when my like my science and medical background comes into play I'm like yeah chakras no 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 tell me exactly which ligament we're talking about here yeah so when I get to that side and I feel like I'm just super just judging what's going on to me, that's a signal that, um, that I have something to work on there because it was, it's so funny just like, and I notice when I get, I get like tension and it's like, I think I'm almost too cool for this or something. I don't know, but it's an icky feeling. And then I kind of like surrender and lean into the woo woo crunchy, whatever. And I'm like, I'm being just as weird as everybody else here. And it feels (laughs) really good. So it's fun to have both sides. And I can totally recognize when I get this like archaic version of myself and get super judgy about, you know, and then the next day I'm out there, you know, wearing my MC hammer pants and saying (laughs) namaste too. And both of these (laughs) things are very much as, you know, part of who I am. I I think if I like lean yeah, like, it's like almost day, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> just picture yeah. you out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes oh it's a little much for me, but um, but it's I think you know I think that I denied that side of myself for so long that um that I did myself a disservice, and now it's like oh I, I can be a multifaceted being. I can whatever get off on palm trees, but I can also you know I don't know. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is amazing. I absolutely love this conversation so much, but heck yes to all of that. And I love, I love you bringing in this judgment piece too. Um, I remember the first time I witnessed ecstatic dance and contact dance too. And just kind of like taking a moment to be like, all right, this is, um, this is interesting. And then fully immersing yourself in it. And then all of a sudden having a totally different experience once you release that judgment and allow yourself to drop in. Mm. And something that I've been challenging myself lately is replacing the word weird with curious. Like, okay. Oh, that's curious. Like, oh, all right. That's, that's a curious situation or like, oh, that person looks curious. Like just (laughs) because I feel like that if we think about when we're kids, right? Like if you were a kid and you saw somebody ecstatic dancing, you'd probably just like weave your way in there and like go join them Mm -hmm. and just be your weird, cute little goofy self. Yeah. And then somewhere along the lines, we lose that childlike curiosity and the judgment comes in based on what society thinks we need to be in order to be successful. Mm. Curious. So if you call me curious one day, I'll know that you're just <laughs> It's like your politically correct version of weirdo. I guess so. <laughs> Feels better in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes I embrace my weird though, but I hear what you're saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I like yeah. the curiosity is more so like releasing the judgment piece, mm, like very be nice. your full authentic, weird, goofy, exuberant self yeah. and release your judgment of others when they're doing the exact same thing. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I love that. Just hearing you say that it's like, that is such a, what my, the practice that I do when I'm working with somebody one-on-one, it's like embodying that of being able Mm -hmm. to just drop the judgment. And it's like, even just hearing you say that, it's like, oh, it feels like a, almost like a sanctuary space where people can just like, even just you and I right now being able to talk to each other and, and know that we can kind of just drop the judgment and be able to just have this bubble of safe space and that feels so awesome and you can get so much like real stuff handled there you know we're not sitting here chit-chatting about the weather or just random shit that doesn't matter but we're able to like really kind of drop the judgment and get to some meat which just feels so satisfying and and that's just how I love to live my life yeah yeah absolutely I love that and I think especially as a coach like that's just such an important piece like you said creating that safe space and Um, I heard somebody recently, it was on one of our group calls in this course, um, that they shared that anytime we project judgment onto somebody else, we're perpetuating their own sense of not enoughness. We're inviting them into a space of not enoughness. Mm. And I just, and it's from a place of like feeling not enough ourselves or yeah, very often. Yeah. A, a place of yeah. feeling not enough ourselves or just what we're witnessing in them and seeing in them mm-hmm. is something that we haven't fully embodied within mm-hmm. ourselves. It's uh, something that we haven't gotten comfortable enough within our own selves. So when we see mm-hmm. somebody like yourself, maybe who has like really fiery, exuberant sexual energy and mm-hmm. is very much embodying that sexual energy. And maybe we see a post on social media where there, this woman is dancing really erotically and we judge her and we say, oh, she's looking for attention because she's being really sexual right now. Mm. Very often that could be an indication that 
we as the judger of that have not fully embraced our own sexuality and our way of expressing that, which may not be getting on social media and posting a really sensual dancing post. It may Mm -hmm. be totally something different for us, but our judgment of that person's individual expression is rooted in our own lack of confidence, self-worth and security in some element of whatever that post or that expression is in relation to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're all mirrors, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned that you grew up playing hockey and I know mm-hmm. that a big part of your work is also um, sexual energy transmutation, as you mm. like to call it for athletic performance. Yeah. I would absolutely love for you to dive headfirst into this topic because I think this is fascinating. And I think a lot of our listeners would love to hear about what the connection is between sexual energy and athletic performance and, yeah. and how your intimacy with yourself and the transmutation of that energy shows up in not only athletic performance, just, but just like performance as a human being and your energy and your vitality as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really well said too, is it doesn't as much as, you know, the language that I love to speak and and just kind of like that mindset does is around athletics and sports. It can literally, you know, it can be applied to anything. It can be applied to, you know, a musical instrument or art, you know, a painting or cooking or whatever you're passion is, you know, I I had a client the other day that was just really passionate about being a garbage man. (laughs) And like, that was, you know, so it really doesn't have to be applicable to a real specific athletic performance. Although that is, I guess, you know, kind of like the mindset of of what I speak to and just the, the, um, my primary clientele, I guess, is, is utilizing it for sports performance. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I remember I read the book, Think and Grow Rich, um, many times throughout my life. I was introduced to it um, as a teenager by a dear friend. And um, and I remember reading reading that book and getting something out of it then. And then during different times of my life, I would read the book and, and get different things, things out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, since I started doing this work about seven years ago, I really was able to kind of focus on this one chapter, which ironically, a lot of times people who teach out of this book, they tend to skip this chapter. And it happens to be my favorite um, chapter 11, the sexual energy transmutation. And so it's, it's, you know, a very kind of ancient text or sorry, ancient technique. And it's mm-hmm. out of this, you know, what they call now is a, a sacred textbook, but it's, something that um, we've always had as humans. And it's like, it's almost like it's, so it's very much not a new concept, but um, I guess what I love to do is being, be able to take this concept and apply it to, you know, current day applications. And, and then that's where the the sports performance comes in. So it's almost like, um, you know, if we, if we think about what sexual energy is or kind of like what the purpose of it is, is obviously to procreate would, would be the obvious one. Mm -hmm. And then also for, uh, for pleasure, kind of like therapeutic sense. Um, And then the third one is to be able to kind of catalyze yourself into a state of, you know, whatever word you want to use genius or into, into the flow state or into your zone. And, um, and then, so I guess, you know, being able to, use the sexual energy as fuel, same as if you were to use, you know, fuel for your car, you're kind of thinking of that concept to be able to um, use it in your training in the gym or use use it on the field or on the ice 
and be able to execute it by just kind of tapping into that flow state while you're, you know, performing as an athlete. Um, so there's, you know, I'm teaching an eight week course on that subject coming up um, in oh, April. So, I mean, I could just go on and on and on for hours about the specifics of how yeah. sexual energy can be applied for, for, you know, athletic performance and, and specifically for, you know, even just right down to the detail of what's, you know, specifically for, for individual sports and, and how to even just kind of overcome athletic injuries with this concept. So it's something I could geek out on for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But. I'd love to just ask you a few questions on it. Um, just in relation to like how just Western culture and our society as a whole typically treats sex, um, which is not so much so a very conscious interaction with another human being. It's not really like getting to know your own body and a lot of elements like porn, which can also be a, an addiction and these types of things. So like when an individual is engaging in things like unconscious sexual intercourse, when they're not really connected to their own body, when they maybe have a porn addiction or what have you, how are those, I don't want to turn them negative, but I guess more like unconscious, unhealthy, unregulated forms of sexual expression affecting one's athletic performance and mm. just their overall energetic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, you know, I always think of this visual of almost like a, like even just like a clear cup or a clear beaker or something. And just, um, picturing this kind of like liquid gold, the sexual energy, just like filling this cup and almost just like overflowing. And it's just, and, and being able to almost kind of hold this energy or kind of think of this energy of, of sexuality in such reverence to be able to kind of, you know, honor it and have so much respect for it. And every time, and I'm just going to have, I'll just speak for myself right now, but anytime if I'm just kind of haphazardly utilizing my sexual energy without, you know, being super present or, or mindful of how I'm using it, um, mm -hmm. or, or kind of wasting it away with just mindless masturbation or, or porn or, or this or that, and not being kind of conscious or aware of the power of it, I can, I could just see this beaker kind of like slowly losing its glory or just kind mm -hmm. of like the, the beauty beauty and of, of this liquid gold. Um, and that's not to say that we have to like hoard it and, 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 and cap it off and like, Ooh, don't nobody gets a drop of this, but to be super mindful of like, this is some good shit and it's very powerful. And it's, I, I hold it so dear to my heart that, um, you know, it's, I'm going to be super respectful of this to where I'm not going to just have it leak out here and there, or just kind of be mindless or, or just kind of tune out and numb out. Um, you know, and that has been part of my recovery work too, is to be able to be, be aware of, of that specific behavior of how I'm utilizing it if, and when I am numbing out with it. So yeah. it's, and you get what you put out just like with anything, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, if I'm honoring this beautiful jar of overflowing liquid gold, sexual energy, it's going to be serving it right back to me too. And it's, you know, when I have that point of view, um, or that mindset of treating it mm -hmm. with that much reverence and respect, like you know, that day I might be walking with, you know, better posture or, you know, I'm like all of a sudden I become this kind of like a, a magnet or feel like I'm kind of just glowing and, and, and it starts to show <laughs> in different ways. You know, it starts all of a sudden, you know, different injuries start to kind of feel a little less painful or the way that I'm moving feels a little bit more in alignment. And all of a sudden, you know, the way that I'm skating on the ice is feeling a little bit more in the flow. And it's like, it, it's not a coincidence, you know, it's like that, that yeah. real powerful fuel that is in all of us. And, 
And really, I mean, when you think about when you boil down to what drives us and what we do, if you really kind of break it down, oftentimes it does lead to one of those three reasons for, for sexual energy, whether it's, you know, this primal instinct of procreation in some weird way or, or for pleasure or for being able to kind of, you know, gain um, a high vibrational activity. And so to be able to use, use that fuel and, and just kind of understand and respect that that's kind of what it's doing for us. It's uh yeah, it's almost like it, it kicks things up a notch and it's, it's a lot mm -hmm. of fun to play with. And um, but yeah, sometimes it, it's even just a subtle mind, mind shift, but, but tapping into that, the power of it and mm -hmm. getting into that flow state, it can produce some really cool, magical things. Yeah. I love that visual of the sexual energy being like, a cup filled with that like golden liquid um and i love mm. that you termed it in those terms of like having reverence for it and mm. that it is sacred and i mean at the end of the day it is truly our life force energy our sexual energy mm -hmm. is what is used to create life like how much more beautiful and profound can it get than that so yeah. to learn to revere that and treat that as sex or as sexual as sacred yeah. and to really yeah I and to I really <laughs> really use that to show up in life mm -hmm. and all these facets facets of life in a more aligned way rather than just distributing and scattering that energy out there unconsciously and draining that cup of that beautiful golden liquid. I absolutely mm. love that visual. It's very, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then to be aware of if and when it is leaking and why mm -hmm. and to how and how much and, and to just kind of be aware of where, where those leakages are. And that doesn't necessarily mean once again, just bringing it back to sexual energy doesn't necessarily mean you know, penetrative X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, is my sexual energy leaking here because I am, you know, I'm maybe, am I showing extra cleavage here to get something that I want? That's, that's such a small, weird, random example, but it's like, yeah. if I take that and I think, Jesse, is that really like, if I'm using that part of me to manipulate, to get something for selfish means, um, and I'm not saying it's it's one thing to be, to be flirty and everybody's having a great time, yeah. but I'm I'm seeing that you know even if it's just kind of that energy being used as a manipulation, you know yeah. that can be something where it's like hmm, maybe I should just kind of check myself a little bit because I might be having some leakages here of sexual energy, um, yeah. and to be able to have that balance too of knowing when to give it and when to receive it, um, because I know that you know there is definitely. Um, a, a movement of, you know, like the no fat movement where it's people are wanting to almost just, they've, I've noticed that a lot of times clients will come to me after a failed attempt of no fat. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I am, but for the listeners, I'd love for you to explain what that is. Sure. Sure. So it's, um, no porn, no masturbation and, and no ejaculation. Um, and in, not to knock that technique at all. I just, from my experience of the people who feel like that's they've tried it because they were noticing these sexual energy leakages and that they were maybe addicted to porn or this or or having some some dysfunction with their sexuality and so they want to try no fat um to me sometimes i i see that as just having this really beautiful powerful river of that's like raging mm -hmm. <laughs> of sexual energy and all of a sudden you're just damming it um, which is, which is fine. I guess it's better than kind of being destructive, but at the same time, 
if you're just kind of closing that off as opposed to kind of honoring the flow of it, sometimes it, yeah. that's where the, the massive destruction can come, breaking through that, that you know, temporary dam. And, and a lot of times um, it can be something to where it's so kind of powerful to where it's out of somebody's control. So yeah. I just, you know, I say that to where um, I think I've just seen it so many times where people have come and had that kind of experience where it's like, I've tried to totally siphon off my sexuality and all of a sudden it got the best of me. And here I am going crazy and having the equivalent of a bender yeah. with my sexual energy. And so being able to, you know, um, whether it's through breath work or meditation or a quiesage body work, or even just conversation with intimacy coaching to be able to find that balance of, of honoring and loving your sexual energy so that it has this beautiful flow to it, as opposed to something that you want to siphon off or you want to totally give it away. And so yeah. to be able to have this, to build this, essentially this real beautiful, intimate relationship with your own sexuality, it's, it's got some cool results, man. It, and not just in the bedroom, yeah. everywhere, you know, everywhere, like your people's, their anxiety is, 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 is a big thing. You know, when you're, in the flow with your sexual energy and it's it really aligns aligns you with who you are and what your purpose is and it's like that just being able to do so like anxiety can just melt away when you're yeah. really in line with with um honoring your sexuality and having it have the ability to to tap into that flow of who you really are so yeah beautiful really awesome thank you for sharing this topic too this topic actually really resonates and is also a little triggering for me right now, to be honest. Mm. Um, I did, I was celibate for two years actually, mm. um, just prior to this past December. And the first year I would say was a hundred percent necessary for my personal growth because I had mm. recognized that I was using like coming out of competitive bodybuilding and doing like a lot of modeling and stuff like that. I was using my body for external validation mm -hmm. and, after my last former relationship too, I noticed that I really had a toxic relationship with dating apps. Like again, it was just another external source of validation. And so I committed to a year of celibacy, which that first year, a hundred percent, it was so necessary for me to get back in touch with myself and that mm -hmm. whole into me see concept, like developing my own self-pleasure practice, developing my own reverence for my body, my sexuality, all of that was so potent in that first year. And then the second year, to be quite honest, it wasn't intentional. It was like after that first year, I was open to something happening. Mm -hmm. But then I think I had almost like pedestalized my sexuality and how much I revered that and treated it as sacred. And then it was like, okay, no, like this doesn't feel aligned. This doesn't feel aligned. And I was very judgmental about myself for the desires that I was having. And so I kind of put it in a cage at that point. And then ended up diving back into the dating world. And yeah, the first sexual interaction I had ended up leading to me getting ghosted. And it was a huge cosmic two by four to the head where it was like, okay, like the energy you put out there is the energy you attract. And it's mm -hmm. like, there's a fine line, as you said, between really having a reverence for that and then like bottling it up to the point where it like just wants to explode out of the top mm. of this sexual volcano, which is where I was at. Like I was like, I, I had learned for sure to channel a lot of that energy through breathwork and Kundalini and everything. But at the mm. same time, it was just that deep yearning for human connection, which then I had to take radical responsibility and accountability for the fact that 
yes, did I move too fast in this interaction with this other individual and not actually take the time to see if this felt truly aligned to moving into that sexual interaction? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent did. And then the result of that was me getting ghosted because there wasn't a degree of respect there that mm. should have been fostered before. And I say should lightly too, like, I'm not going to should all my, all over myself here. And yeah. I'm, I'm also like releasing that vibration of shame over this whole situation. But I, I really appreciate you bringing this topic into the conversation mm. where it's like, yeah, sometimes this, the no fat or the celibacy, it is appropriate for some individuals for some period of time. Mm -hmm. And it can also become toxic and become almost more burdensome. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. The, the conscious celibacy, I mean, I'm by no means am I, am I knocking any of these techniques? I think it can be a service as a, as a medicine in itself. And I'm, are you happy that you chose that at least that I guess in particular that first year of celibacy, did you kind of choose that as almost like a like a version of medicine for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And are you happy? Like, yeah. are you happy with the the results of that first year? For sure. And I mean, even like the second year too. Like this past situation, I think is only the one that's like still kind of triggersome and like yeah. really has a bit of a charge to it still. But I mean, I did again. Like, I learned so much about myself and really learned how to channel and transmute that energy like you've been speaking to and learned how to do practices like breathwork and kundalini and dance and stuff like that where I can really use that sexual fire to really power myself through things and I even use it mm -hmm. in working out too like I actually yeah I have the oh, best workouts when I turn myself on before a workout like this <laughs> Very nice. or like I'll be listening to my like tantric playlist while I'm at the mm -hmm. gym and I'm like I'm really glad nobody can hear this right Absolutely. now or like know what's going on yeah. in my body because I'm just over here like hip thrusting just I was like, gonna in say, my all, fucking zone. <laughs> all of a sudden Shakira comes out oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I love it yeah yeah, so yeah I love it was it. yeah very transformative learned a lot um definitely not the way I intended for that period of celibacy to end and transition yeah. back into being sexually active but I mean it is what it is every situation and person comes into our life like we were talking about before to be a mirror and yep. to teach us the lessons and where we're judging, where we're triggered, like all of these things. It's like, okay, how can I learn from this? And am I just going to get triggered and just be reactive and judgmental to this situation? Or am I going to take it upon myself to show up differently because of mm. this? Mm -hmm. And it's, it, you know, it's a such a beautiful way to be able to tap in with yourself to, to understand kind of what your, what your body is telling you at once too. Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, I'm going to have this really strict thing and, and I'm going to abide by this really strict program because I'm going to check this box and this box. And, you know, you know, once again, to each their own, but to have this intention of wanting to be able to have experience the medicine of, of conscious, like abstinence. Um, the beauty of that is to be able to like check in with yourself and understand like, mm, you know, I'm going on day, whatever, 33, is this still working for me? And it's like, yeah, today it feels awesome. And then checking in with yourself again tomorrow. And um, I remember the first time I heard somebody who I really, really respected and admired and had amazing sexual energy, just kind of make a conscious choice of wanting to be celibate for X amount of days. And um, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, I really admired it. And I also remember feeling kind of relieved because I had a bit of a crush on him and I was like, oh, awesome. Just hand holdings on the table. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like being really relieved about that yeah. and, and admiring it, but also thinking mm, not for me. 
And then um, relatively recently, actually this year, um, and it was like, it was not even a plan of mine and it very well may have been having to do with a little bit of a heartbreak. It was kind of a combination of a couple different things, but it was like, my body was speaking to me so loud and clear saying that like, I did not want any, like, it, it wasn't that I didn't want to love and nourish and experience my sexual energy. I wanted nothing to do with any version of penetration, like whatsoever. And so much so to where it was like, I mean, you know, TMI, but like, I wasn't even, my body wasn't even letting me like put in tampons. Like it was just like my whole, Mm -hmm. like I wanted nothing inside of me besides myself. And it was like, it was such a bizarre, but awesome experience because essentially it was just me really tapping into my body and listening to what it wants. And and I don't know, like if I hadn't been doing all this work with, with intimacy coaching or, or, or being able to kind of uncover more and more layers of myself, I don't even know if I would have heard my body saying that before. Yeah. So it felt, it felt really nice to just even be able to just kind of like honor that. Like, I don't know what this is. This does not feel like me or anything I've ever experienced before, but I hear you loud and clear. And it was, it was awesome. It was such a cool, cool experience. And there was even a couple um, different time periods during this, the, the, it was about six months or so, but a couple different, um, periods where I even went, um, like silent too. And I was just going su- I was wow. super inward and it was just very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess my takeaway from that was that not, not having anybody else inside of my like bubble of sexuality, um, was medicine on, on its own too. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was very much, you know, I was doing a lot of self-massage. I was still, you know, I was doing a lot of essentially the equiasage technique, but with myself mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, no, nothing penetrative. And to me, it was, it was, I was definitely embodying a lot of sexual energy, but it had nothing to do with inviting anybody else into that space with me. And it was very nourishing and it felt like just another layer of getting to know who I am and what my body wants and, and how well can I listen. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think yeah. it's such a an important invitation for anybody listening that if your body is speaking to you in some way, shape or form, it really is an invitation to get curious and to see what message it has for you. And this whole process of self-discovery and just getting more into connection with yourself, it doesn't necessarily have to involve celibacy or isolating from other people, but it does involve that awareness of Mm. asking your body, what do you need right now? And really dropping Mm. into the messages that are present there for you. So I really honor you in that process too, because I know that that's not easy, especially when it involves no connection with other humans Mm. and, and really kind of saying no to that penetrative sexual energy for a period of time, because I mean, that is our like primal essence, right. Too. Mm. And is being a very sexual expressive woman that you are and having that high degree of sexual energy, which I also really resonate with. I, I know how difficult that can be to have that inner knowing that like, this is what my body really needs right now. Mm -hmm. And to not let all of your desires and the ways that you have gotten used to keeping yourself in comfort zones or seeking that validation through those interactions with others and to really just listen to that inner voice of Mm. your body that takes so much courage and self-awareness I really just honor you in Mm. doing that 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, it felt very balancing too, if anything, you know, it felt like, um, the, my sexual energy wasn't calling the shots. Like it was a way for me to kind of bring that powerful aspect of who I am back in balance to where it was like, kind of just like this cool dance that I'm in relationship that I have with my sexual energy to where it wasn't like, it's deciding what I'm doing today. Like I'm going to be deciding what I do today and you can come along for the ride with me. (laughs) So it felt definitely like, um, not like I was controlling it, but it wasn't like it was controlling me. And that was a really nice, mm-hmm. nice feeling and kind of um, an extreme experiment for myself, but it really helped bring me back into balance. And and during that time period, I was able to do, this is all real recent. I was able to do like a lot of um, like, I guess, but kind of just like somatic or trauma therapy with different techniques on, on sexuality. And it's, um, and it's kind of, it's nice to be able to feel like I'm in a place where I just have even in an even better relationship with it. And it feels nice because, you know, if I'm working with people on this real secret, sacred, special subject, like I really want to make sure that I, I'm doing the work myself too, that I'm not sitting here just saying like, this is what you should do. And let's, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I've been through the ringer with this and I've been ups and downs and, and I'm, you know, as much as this, you know, I'm, I'm very, open about a lot, a lot of stuff. And and some of it is being able to honor that kind of sacred relationship with, with myself that I don't need to be, you know, totally uh, ridiculously out there with, with what I'm, what I'm talking about or what I'm showing off. Um, But if it is applicable during sessions with clients to be able to relate and, and just be super real and authentic, which is what this work is all about, then I'm here for that. No, I absolutely love that. And I think that's such an important piece of being a coach and a leader in any realm is to acknowledge your own humanness and to also do that work, do the work on yourself so that you can show up fully and authentically for the people that you are leading. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes on social media, people see these coaches or whoever who is like standing for whatever message they're putting out into the world and don't realize that very often these people haven't done that inner work on themselves. And it takes Mm. a great deal of courage to do that while also simultaneously showing up for your clients and being able to be like, look, I've struggled with what you're struggling with, or like, this is my past experience. And there are still some unhealed parts there and I'm doing Mm. the work. And I know that it's nitty gritty and it's challenging and I see you in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's endless work too. It is. I think if I were to say, listen, I took this certification and I have the paper in hand and, and I'm, I've I'm done learning, but here I am to, to teach you like, Ooh, that sounds, that is not that I, I think I would be ready to, uh, to transition and be out of this life. You know, if I was at a place where I wasn't wanting to continuously learn, yeah. um, And I do remember when I was getting, you know, my formal education on, you know, switching from athletic training or, or sports specific coaching and and coming over to the life coaching side, you know, I, I did quite a few certifications for just kind of the umbrella, like the general umbrella for life coaching. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically saying this intimacy coaching thing and and being able to, to focus on specifically on this sexual energy and simultaneously with this athletic thing, which is like, you know, a niche of a niche. Uh, it was like that didn't really even exist. So it was kind of a challenge to be able to 
find the formal education and to really be able to back up with integrity what I offer to my clients. So I'm asking them to pay for something. I want to be able to make sure I know my shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was kind of a challenge to find that. So um, in essence, I kind of just like took, um, you know, kind of a, a, a few different certifications and, mm-hmm. and, and was able to kind of just, you know, take some of this from that, some of this from that. And then, you know, obviously like life experience and my, my own journey is, is a huge, gosh, probably 80% of, of what it, what I bring to the table in this intimacy coaching certification. For sure. um, and then I ended up hiring a, a life coach that I wanted. I, I essentially spelled out my own curriculum for intimacy coaching. And I wanted to, to learn about, you know, different sexual fetishes and kinks and where they came from and why this, and, you know, understanding a little bit about guilt and shame or understanding you know, recovery, all these different kind of facets of what intimacy coaching is. I even recently did um, some education on on death planning and things like that, because that oh, wow. to me falls under the <laughs> intimacy coaching yeah. umbrella. But really, it was like I had to kind of, in essence, to be able to do what I what I do and what it all encompasses, I put together my own curriculum and I hired a life coach to kind of help hold me accountable to make sure that I'm following my own curriculum. And we put together, you know, books and, you know, quizzes. It was, it was a fun process, but it was, um, you know, I was really, I, I had a very specific vision of what it is that I wanted to do and, and how the body work was going to come into play with it. And, um, and it was just, you know, there wasn't anything that existed out there. Um, but I think that, you know, between kind of putting that together, her and I kind of putting together the curriculum and then being able to apply things that I have learned in my own life and I'm continuing to learn and working with tons of clients. Um, I just realized in about October of this past year, I just kind of added up the hours that I've been doing aquaissage and intimacy coaching. And I was like, wow, I hit that 10,000 hour mark recently. And that wow. felt really nice of like, okay, by no means do I want to stop learning or call myself any sort of master at that 10,000 hour mark. But it felt nice to just be like, this is really you know, if I have ever been able to say that I'm on my course of my purpose and what my passion is like, that's more what it felt like for me of I am on my path, baby. And I'm just fine tuning it more and more and continuing to grow and learn more about it. Cause it's just, it's never ending, but that's like, it, that yeah. fuels me. That fires me up. I love it. I love that. And yeah, I mean, our culture really puts a lot of emphasis on like formal education Mm-hmm. But like you said, like so much of the work that you're doing is so deeply rooted in your personal experience and what you've overcome. And I think that both have their time and place and you need to interweave both to truly be a leader, a professional, and to be, especially in these healing realms, when you're working with people's bodies and their energy centers. Yes. Obviously mm-hmm. you need some formal education to learn a lot of the ins and outs and like trauma work is such a big basis of it mm-hmm. as well. But I absolutely love that you just kind of came to that recognition, like, what I foresee in what I want to offer and how I want to interweave all of my knowledge and skills together and what I want to offer to people that's not really out there. So I'm just going to create it. (laughs) So I love that. Like, again, something that takes immense courage and just want to really acknowledge you for stepping into that space. And Mm. maybe this would be a good time too, for you to talk about aquiassage, because this is something, this is a technique that you have developed, correct? 
Yeah, it, yeah, it's a technique I've developed. And then simultaneously at the same time, it just, it honestly, it's when I'm doing it or when I'm, when I'm a part of this magic, it feels like it's not even something that I'm doing. <laughs> it's like out yeah. of this world. You're so yeah, technically, state, I guess, you know, I'm the one who kind of coined the phrase and, and, and I'm executing it, but sometimes it feels like I'm, you know, it's not necessarily just me doing it. It feels a little divine. And I love that. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a beautiful representation of you being in true flow state and in true mm. connection with your very essence of self and your soul purpose is when you're so fully present in that act of what you're doing, like whether that's aquasage or like for me, I get that same sensation when I'm doing sound healing or facilitating mm. breathwork or medicine ceremonies. It's like you lose yourself in the process almost. And you're just like at things end and you come out of it. And it's almost like this time blur, like did that all just happen? And like, mm. yeah. So I'd love That's for beautiful. you to talk about Aquiassage and maybe yeah. just share a little bit about what it is, how it works, what the benefits of it are and how this also, how you created this, like, where did this concept and like modality come from? Like, how did this come yeah. through for you? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love to talk about it. Um, yeah, so so the word aqueous, like as opposed to aquasage, it's called specifically aqueous sage, mm -hmm. um, because that means, you know, dissolving into water. And mm -hmm. to me, it's like that just even saying those words together, dissolving into water, like like melting, like being able to kind of release, surrender, and just like mm -hmm. be that flow. Oh, like that, that's like, you know, there isn't a better way of describing it than than dissolving into water mm. so in essence that's kind of just like the the mode of of or like i should say the mindset the tempo um oftentimes when when i'm giving an equiasage or experiencing one myself or teaching it we have this um like the waves in the background ocean waves in the background because that tempo is literally how you're moving like you're almost kind of um in this hypnotic state both you know you're like your body is almost moving like a state of water um, or just kind of like your thought patterns start to just kind of kind of take over into this, into this flow state. And I think the reason why I reached for something like this technique um, was kind of going back once again to, to early sobriety, which was um, the beginning of 2016. And, and I remember feeling like, just super scatterbrained and, and just kind of like, I think I said earlier today, like almost like getting my sea legs or, or just being like a, almost like a fresh human in the world, not knowing what to do yeah. with myself and something that I was really missing or, or feeling like I was unable to tap into that, that flow state concept. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, you know, a time when I can, when, when I was able to really tap into that was, was when I was, you know, playing hockey as a, as a kid or as a, as a young adult. And, and I remember even like the day that I hung up my skates was the day that I picked up cocaine, which is, you know, it's like, so I was just wow. constantly looking to achieve that, I guess that flow state. And so, and I remember realizing that early on, like, I need to figure out, I need to figure out away I was you know not able to get on skates right at that moment so mm -hmm. so being able to play hockey 24 7 was just not really in the cards for me at that moment I had a lot of physical pain yeah. like I you know I still do here and there but 
you know, when you're removing your self-medication, all of a sudden this trauma shows up in your body and everything is just full of pain and stiff. And so to be able to achieve that kind of instant, instant, but uh, to really tap into a um, reliable modality that, that, can give me that that flow state that I was seeking that wasn't you know at, from hockey at that moment it wasn't from from drugs that was when it was the aquasage literally just kind of fell into my into my lap <laughs> um I you know because I was in a lot of physical pain I was getting massages myself a lot mm-hmm. and um and so being able to give massage and get massage um whether it was in kind of like that that athletic training kind of physical therapy way, or whether it was more of a relaxation state to me, that was like, that was my safe spot. That's where I knew I was that where I felt really good. And, um, and that was kind of like the closest to where I could feel that kind of in the zone. Um, and at that state (laughs) of who I was, if somebody said like, Oh, you're in recovery, just meditate and you'll be good. I'd be like, I'm a mess. Like, what do you mean? Medicate or meditate, <laughs> meditate. Yeah. Um, it, like, it was just, it felt almost like an impossible thing. My thoughts were going all over the place. I was, mm. you know, it was very dysregulated, I believe would be the uh, a yeah. good way of saying it. And so um, to be able to kind of zone into a state of water or waves while listening to it, being able to be just covered in, in the product that I use with it. It's part of my product line called Intimacy, S-E-A, because it's uh, seaweed based and, and a lot of earthly elements that are, that are part of this that. product. <laughs> yeah. So like being able to just kind of like literally be covered in, in this liquid gold. <laughs> I like to use that a lot, apparently. Um, yeah, that's it really, this product represents sexual energy for sure to be able to, to move as if I was in that kind of watery flow state to, to feel as if I was in water and, and, and to be able to kind of, um, move and think with that same, um, I guess, vibration. Yeah. Um, so without getting too geeky sciencey, there really is like a, a real kind of specific, um, pressure it's not too hard it's not too soft and and tempo so it's kind of like you're just following you know essentially you're following the rhythm of of the waves um beautiful and And please get geeky sciencey okay i'm here for i am here for all the geeky sciencey girl yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well i remember because when i first started this technique it was like there was something really special to it and i was able to drop into this headspace that I wasn't able to achieve with meditation, like, like mm, that kind of meditation yeah. or hypnosis or anything that, that, you know, other people were saying was really easy for them to drop into. And I, I just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so when I was, when I was doing this specific rhythm uh, or, or tempo, and then I was, and I was real specific about the pressure that it had to be, it was like, I was tapping into something that I knew was right but I wasn't able to back it up with science for a little while afterwards. And and I was like, and I remember kind of really discovering like, wow, the the ingredients that are in in this, in the products that I have, which Mm -hmm. to me just kind of like came to me one day, the, the speed that I do this at the the depth and, and being able to like, see that I, that it was really, it was measured by science to be able to like reach this hypnotic state Mm -hmm. that I, you know, otherwise wasn't able to. I wow. think um, just, you know, over the years of being able to do um, trauma work and therapy and just kind of digging into some, um, you know, healing work, it does get easier and easier for me to drop into that hypnotic state. And, you know, yeah. I've 
worked with with different people, you know, meditation coaches and hypnotists and people who kind of help help you drop into that. So I do have to say it's gotten easier and easier over the years, but mm. this was a huge tool for me in the very beginning when it was like, I, you know, if I try and meditate and we're trying to focus on breath, like I can maybe get one or two breaths in before I'm already having so much anxiety or, or freaking out about some things. So it was a, a lifesaver. Like I feel like mm. in early sobriety, having this as a tool and a modality for me to tap into this state of mind or the state of being, which essentially I was always trying to, like I said, reach for with drugs and alcohol to be able to, to achieve it through this like very spiritual, very primal kind of sexual um, modality of a Mm quayassage. It was like, it was it for me. And Mm -hmm. the, this combination of this like uh, arousal energy while being deeply, deeply relaxed, like I mean, I feel like it raises me and whoever's involved to just this, this higher vibration to where it's like, you know, oftentimes you can't even find words for it, whether it's during or after it's like sometimes, and those are the best experiences. Sometimes I think absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure what drew me to this or why I'm here, but it felt too strong to deny. So here we are. (laughs) And sometimes those are the, just the best sessions. And yeah. And it, it really does um, provide so much feedback. Like for instance, during an equation, even though there's not a ton of very little, if at all talking, I get so much information, whether it's Mm -hmm. about me, about the person, about their physical body, about emotional, mental, spiritual, everything of what's going on between myself and this person. So much information is coming in and and sometimes we're able to utilize that and continue with you know an intimacy coaching session yeah and other times it's it's not what it's there for but there's such an immense trust in this process of before we begin this session we're here we're always it's always going we're always going to be vibrating at least a little if not way higher afterwards and that shit lasts too yeah. like that to me is such a gift because it's that. like this you know progressive staircase of just yeah. higher vibrations every time I experience the beauty of this equation. I just love it. It's amazing. It sounds like it's just as healing and beneficial for you as it is for the people that you're serving, which is yeah. so incredible. And yeah, it just sounds like it was a very divinely orchestrated mm. modality that came into your life exactly when you needed it. Yeah. Um, but I love the information piece about what you can get from somebody's body as well. Mm. Just the power of being able to put your hand or whatever part of you on somebody's body and receive the information that's there is, I mean, not only is that exemplary to how tapped in you are, like that, that really just speaks volumes to how tuned in you are to yourself and your body, but also your ability to receive information from another. Mm. But I think sometimes with um, any kind of like coaching, we get so focused on like the, the verbal, the talk therapy, the like diving deep into somebody's past and traumas and stuff like that. And that's why I really love the interweaving and what you're doing. Like you're a coach, but you're also bringing in this body work piece to really get to know somebody on all levels. Mm. And I think that's such a beautiful and powerful component of it. Mm. Well, thank you. And I love it. And Sometimes it feels just like that's the language that I speak. And and sometimes it's more on, you know, of, of 
a, it's like a, a, the physical body is telling me information as well as their energetic body. Yeah. And if we were just ha- having a conversation, we may have been able to get to 2% of what, of what that information that I just got from the equiasage. Yeah. Um, and it's funny cause I have to check myself sometimes because if I'm, if I'm not super present or on point with who I need to be tapped in during that session, I may look at a client who kind of walks in and I'm like analyzing them as if I were an athletic trainer still. And I'm like, mm. okay, well, your pelvic tilt is this and your hyperlordotic this and X, Y, and Z. And so I would go into the session kind of assuming that it's this muscular imbalance, which not that it would be false, but if I'm, once I drop into that mode of, of an equiasage artist or whatever we want to say, like the woo woo side of me is really, it's giving like the energy of this person is giving me valid information where like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Their pelvic tilt might be a little forward or, but really what I'm getting is information from their sacral chakra and I'm seeing colors and I'm seeing where blockages are. And, and even though when they walked in, I noticed something having to do with, with their, the physical formation of their spine, like during the session, I'm seeing green and I'm seeing orange and I'm seeing that they might not be able to be vocalizing what their sexuality is this and their sexual energy is in this box. And, and, and it's like, and I remember when I first started getting this information, I was really judging myself. I'm like, what are you fucking crazy? And you're Mm -hmm. seeing colors and you're reading energy, like, like, you know, it has to do with, you know, L4 and L5. This has nothing to do with a sacral chakra. Get over yourself. And I'm, and so I, I kind of shut that side of myself down often. And then when I remember like feeling really cringy and just kind of opening up to a client one time afterwards and just saying like, Hey, are you open to some feedback about something that I got? And it was totally irrelevant to anything that we had spoken about, anything that his physical body was telling me. And I just kind of like went for it. I kind of jumped off the cliff and I was like, well, are you, do you feel like you're speaking your truth or do you feel like, I don't even remember, but it was something that was so seemingly irrelevant to anything of why he came in. And he, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm going through. And, you know, long story short, it was somehow it wove into just really being able to almost have this domino effect of, you know, what was the original sexual energy block. And it had nothing to do with anything in the genital area whatsoever. It had to do with something else higher up here and to be able to like really lean in and listen to like my intuition and the feedback that I was getting from this person. It was such a beautiful experience and a lesson in trust for me, you know, and, and vulnerability and to have the balls to be able to be like, Hey, I see a chakra this or that. And and, and sometimes it still cracks me up and it's hilarious and it feels awkward, but man, oh man, is it just so spot on oftentimes and you know this this shit's real and it's cool to back it up with some science and it's cool to back it up with intuition and and the two mm, it's just beautiful yeah oh man this whole subject just really speaks to me and I feel like this is definitely why we really just kind of were magnetized to each other too like we have Mm. such a similar history with coming from a lot of sports and the medical field and to now interweaving that into what some people might call woo woo or what I like to call modern day magic. And yeah, like this is real, this exists. And I'm sure you're familiar with the book, the body keeps score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, this is, you're just speaking to exactly like our body stores trauma. And very often when it manifests as 
a pelvic tilt or a true like sports injury or a chronic illness, like chronic illness is chronic information and Mm. injuries are information. And so often it is our body speaking to us saying that there's something much deeper there. And it's deeply rooted in our emotions that we've suppressed in our trauma that we haven't fully faced and moved through in the parts of ourselves that we haven't fully seen and held and embraced. And those parts of our inner child that are still screaming to be loved and held and get what they didn't get when they Mm. were growing up. And I just, I really can't even put into words how much I appreciate you bringing this piece into it and also deeply, deeply acknowledge that piece of self-judgment that comes through when you start doing this work. And it's Mm. like, oh my God, am I crazy? When you start seeing colors and images and the chakras and visions of somebody's trauma or what have you. And it is, it's like, there's such a piece of judgment based in how we are raised and how we're educated and how there's so much of an emphasis on science. And yes, science has its time and place. And it's a very, very, very important aspect of health and healing and there's so much more to this realm there's so much more to this realm than science and muscles and ligaments and tissues it is your issues are held in your tissues right yes i love it and i love that you brought up uh vessel vandercock the body the body keeps the score Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, cause I, you know, obviously he's, he's a, he's a doctor and he's very science-based, but he's bringing that concept to, to just kind of, um, it's, it's, you know, it's like a household concept now that, yeah. that body and mind are connected. And, and I remember I'm a, I'm a big, um, Howard Stern fan. And I remember he was talking about Dr. John Sarno. I don't know if you're familiar with his work at all. He's mm-hmm. passed away, but essentially, you know, when, when he was around, he was a medical doctor and, and he was, you know, coming up with these concepts that that so much of our physical, what well, what is manifesting as physical is showing is because of an emotional issue. And it, I think, you know, during that time, maybe the world wasn't ready to hear to hear that wisdom, yeah. um, which was, and I think it was just so cool that Howard Stern kind of brought it to to mainstream media because it's like you wouldn't yeah. necessarily expect that yeah. from him. But I remember it 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 turned me on to that concept originally. And, um, and I remember when it was my first, uh, first new year's as a, as a sober woman, and I didn't know what the hell I was going to be doing. I I remember even Googling, like, what do people do on new year's when they're not drinking? (laughs) Like I didn't even, (laughs) and somehow it came up that this place Kripalu out in Western Massachusetts was having, um, was having like a, you know, whatever, bring in the new year's with some yoga or something. And so I ended up just driving myself out, out to, out to, uh, Kripalu and, and yeah. the body keeps, the body keeps the score is what, right. Yep. It was, was what the class was. And I remember, no so that was like my first introduction to that book and to him and, and feeling like that was a real, real, real powerful thing for me to be like, wow, this, this is really, this, this continues to show up for me, whether I'm, you know, listening to the radio or I'm, I'm show, you know, just literally kind of just Googling what the hell do I do as this new human? And I'm, and I'm getting this message everywhere that, that, the you know, that the mind and body and, and traumas are, are showing up in, in certain areas in your body. And um, that was really powerful. And that was, that was also a big contributing factor. Him in that book was, was, was a huge 
ingredient in the recipe of how a quayassage came to be. Um, so it was really cool that you just brought that up. I don't know if you knew that part about a quayassage. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, and I love that that you actually went to a class named that too. Like, yeah, he was teaching again. it. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. my goodness. And it was just random. Good. I just Googled it and I had no idea who this guy was. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you Google what sober right? people do on New Year's? What, this is the what best. sober people do. And then fast They change forward. the world. That's what they do. <laughs> exactly. And the cool thing was, I remember feeling like when I was really deep in this equiasage work, a, a few years into it and feeling like this feels so good and so on point to what I should be doing with my life that I really can't veer away from it. And I, and I, but I was also feeling kind of insecure about it too, of like, is this socially acceptable? What, what is my family going to think? What, how is this going to affect my personal life? Mm-hmm. If I'm, you know, doing this equiasage for a living, like it felt a little, and I remember getting a referral from somebody for a client from somebody from that, from Bessel's practice and said, mm-hmm. you know, I want you to see this woman because she works with people who, who are, you know, through sexual energy and body work and who are dealing with this trauma. And I was like, I remember feeling like, you know, I didn't have direct contact with this person, but it was like this referral from this person who I admired that, Mm -hmm. you know, was like, that connected the mind and body that not only was, saw what I did is, is helpful, but like the, it was like acceptable that this component of sexual energy being part of the healing modality was like, I was like being seen. And I felt, you know, at that time, I guess, you know, having that external validation from somebody that I admired was, was helpful, you know, we're we're all um, human. Right. And yeah. So the piece of validation and just being seen, it's, it's more so like the being seen and being like, okay, yeah. Like this person sees me and they sees what I'm, they see what I'm actually doing in the world and like who I'm showing up as, for what it authentically feels like it is to me instead of these other people who might be projecting their judgments onto me like I think that's the real piece that yeah shines yeah. through in those moments yeah and it's it, it's yeah it's a little bit of a struggle it's a it's you know it's a it's a unique modality it's a it's a very <laughs> kind of obscure field and you know sometimes just going to a, a networking party it's it's I'm a little, sometimes I'm a little at a loss for words of like, do I discuss what I do for work? Cause if so, it's it's super fascinating. It's going to be a really long conversation. I don't Mm -hmm. know if this person's going to understand it. Sometimes I'm an accountant when I show up to these places, which, you know, is is a part of what I do for work, but uh, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge to know when or when I can and, and cannot lean into um, really going into what I do. And, and now I feel, you know, I, I feel so empowered by it. I love it. I, I live very much out loud about what I do for work. Um, mm. but there were times in the beginning where it was like, I was still really unsure if it was okay or not, but it was yeah. so powerful and beneficial and healing for myself and everybody involved that it was like, it's nothing could really deter me from knowing that this is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you say that now you really live out loud in what you're doing and you still have that piece of discernment where you know that sometimes somebody's just not open and ready and willing to receive what you have to put out there. And I'm a firm believer that if you're really showing up authentically and doing the work that you're called to do in the world that, I mean, there's always going to be people who aren't ready, willing, and open to receive it, or it's just, it's truly just not aligned for them. It's not meant for them. And 
you will call in the people that this work is meant for just by Mm. being that version of yourself who is showing up in that outward expression and that deep embodiment. Like, heck yes, this is the work that I'm meant to do. And I deeply believe in this and its healing powers. So yes, I'm going to put it out there. And I'm also going to lean more into the people who are open to it. And I'm not going to get myself caught up in the people who aren't because they're just simply not meant to connect with me at this point in time in their journey and in mine. That doesn't mean that it's never for them. It just means that right now it's just not aligned. And so I love that you are embracing who you are and what you're doing. And you're also acknowledging that piece of discernment is still important. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a trust trust process in there that, that the right people, the right time, you know, that everything is just, you know, working out the way it's supposed to be. And I think that really just even highlights the importance of why um, being, being this, staying in this state of, of flow and really tapping into making sure that I'm in alignment with my values, my, and, and who I am at my core because that's when I'm really tapping into that kind of like magnetic power of bringing people in who are a good fit for this work. Um, I almost see it as like the more I'm in tune with this work and and doing it on myself, as opposed to just preaching it. um, I see myself as kind of just like this glowing ball of light, you know, and it's not, and I see it as a boundary too. I don't see it as this like rigid, like you're not allowed to come here, but I do know that if this light feels blinding or it's a deterrent for people, cool. Like that might be where you stay at bay. Other times, if you're up here with me and you're in alignment with what I do and it resonates with you, like we're going to be drawing each other in. And I trust the fuck out of that. Like that's awesome. And it's funny because it's like (laughs) some, you know, if somebody's asking me, well, so what's, what's your marketing strategy? Or like, how do you really, I'm like, oh man, like I, the people that I meet as clients, sometimes I meet them in the most random ways. And it's just me kind of going about my life and, um, and, and, you know, the most obscure places I'll, I'll connect with people and I won't even necessarily be actively advertising or, or talking about what I do. And, um, yeah, so it's really interesting because, you know, it doesn't really line up in a, in a formal business plan as to what my marketing strategy is, but man, oh man, does it work? Like the the proper people are are being drawn to this and and the ones that aren't ready or or aren't into it because it's not for everybody maybe right absolutely if those and that's, are being yeah deterred. that's the power of energy and the power of manifestation which again is another term that I think is uh there's a lot of misconception around it in our society but like when when you're truly living in that energetic vibration of being in alignment with your soul purpose, you're putting yourself out there authentically. You're doing work that is truly embodied and truly Mm. based in knowledge and wisdom and experience. And you're putting that energy out into the world. You will magnetize and Mm -hmm. manifest the things that are in alignment with that. And that's Mm -hmm. why it sometimes feels very like random. These times where we make these connections and stuff it's it's what i like to call divinely orchestrated it's serendipitous and it's a way Mm. that the universe is saying here you go like you're doing it so Mm -hmm. here's a little sign like (laughs) here's another connection here's another opportunity like stay the course stay the course stay the course you're on the right path 
And being able to see that and seeing that clearly now, which obviously you do, and I'm happy to say that I am more tapped into that now than ever is beautiful, you know, and I, I love being on that path. And I think I, I struggled with that in the very beginning and so much so to where I was, you know, kind of just putting myself through this kind of violent washing machine of like, is this cool? Is this not cool? Should I be doing this? Shouldn't I be doing this? And I remember I got really wise words of wisdom from a life coach that I was working with at that at, at that time. And she was saying like, so there's obviously an aspect of you that is really on point with this work. And she's like, so she had me kind of really go inward and see who that version of me was that really resonated with this equiasage. And to me, it was like, I was almost seeing this like really empowered, like mermaid like woman. She had like mm. really flowing hair. She never wore shoes. Like she barely, she wore like a sarong all the time. And she was just, she, which is, which is very much me, but it was a component of me. She was this like water chick and, and very, you know, confident, but very in the flow. And, and the coach that I was working with at the time, she wanted me to, to really tap into that version of myself and name yeah. her. And really just like give myself permission when I was working with the Quayasage to lean into this version of who I was. And so I named her Marina because to me, that is what like, I mean, that's just, I mean, who, what other, what other I name for it. this person, you know, <laughs> could it. there have been? It's just, you know, and Marina the masseuse is kind of like a tool that I use very early on with Equiasage for almost to give myself permission to lean into what mm. this was yeah. because, um, Marina is very much me, you know, I have kind of different personas. I have, you know, Jessica is very like professional and kind of buttoned up. And, yeah. and if I'm, you know, wearing my, my pearls and my suit jacket, that's Jessica. And I'm very on point. And Jesse is kind of the umbrella of who I am, like for yeah. real. And if I'm comfortable around you and that's kind of so much of, of who I am and, and then to be able to lean on this version, this, this Marina is, is, you know, is a reminder for myself to just to to just be like, yeah, this is okay. You're you're a cave woman, mermaid girl at heart, and you can just like own this shit. <laughs> yes. Cover yourself in oil, cover yourself in mud, and just like do this without question. <gasps> so it was really it was, a, <laughs> it was a cool thing to lean on. That tool was so beautiful, and people still call me Marina all the time. Like, hey, Marina the masseuse. Yeah, sure, because it. it's very much who I am. Yeah, yeah. But it was helpful to like give myself permission to lean into what this work is when it was like, like this component of me, this this version told me it was okay and mm. to surrender to that. So it feels fun to really just be able to embody her and me and, and we're all the same and here I am. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yes to all of that. I absolutely love that. Mm. And again, just deep, deep acknowledgement for that act of embracing those different mm. parts of who you are, those different bubbly personality, the business personality, mm. the work personality, this like <laughs> loving uh. like outward mermaid. That's just, Oh, I just, I love it. I absolutely mm. love it. And yeah, just really acknowledge you for showing up in the world is who you are after all that you've been through and to be doing this work and encouraging people to do the same to to heal so that mm. they can then show up more authentically and more in tune with their truest version of self like what a gift that is for you to be helping people to do that after you've so beautifully walked this path yourself mm. 
Well, thank you so much. And and right back at you to be able to offer a platform like this, because, um, you know, so much of what you offer and what you have, you know, people who you have as guests on here, it really is, in essence, it's like being able to, you know, as individuals with the collective, be able to kind of raise our vibration and become the the best version of ourselves through through all of these, you know, wise people who are in human form right now. So so thank you right back at you for, you. for being able to provide this platform. Thank you. Thank you. Fully received yeah. and very much so appreciated. Yeah. Uh, well, in respect of your time and our listeners' time, and just because we've covered so many amazing and powerful and beautiful things today, um, I would love for you to maybe leave off with a message for the listener Um I'm not even going to ask for a specific. I'm just going to ask mm-hmm. for you to share whatever feels like your heart and soul wants to speak right now. Mm. 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 Well, pretty much just, gosh, just gratitude for being able to to talk about my passions and, and be able to just, just really uh, let all of this kind of flow out um, just, you know, verbally feels so nice. Um, so I just want to thank you and thank anybody who's listening to, you know, for taking the time to be able to, to hear me talk about this, because it feels so special. Um, and, you know, if, if it's something that, that resonates with anyone, you know, just, I, I would love to, to connect. Um, I know that this year I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling and doing an Aquayasage tour, Um, I was kind of looking back at this last year of my life and realized that, um, I was, I was at a higher stress than I had ever been. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that so much of it had to do with, um, that was the year that I had the least amount of aquasage in my life. Mm -hmm. So my new year's resolution for 23 is to simplify Mm -hmm. and be all about self-love and get back to my roots and that is aquasage. Aquasage is my roots and being able to tap into that flow state. So, so to honor that and to be able to honor the, um, you know, expansion that this modality has brought to my life. I'm that's my focus this year is to be able to teach aquasage, to be able to talk about it, to be able to, you know, to, experience it with anybody that's interested or if people want to receive one um, as a client or um, you know I also I have my my product line intimacy.com where people you know couples can kind of bring it to their to their home life so my 2023 is all about aquasage and honoring just the beautiful uh, modality that it is because it really did save my life <laughs> I think I don't I, yeah. I definitely don't think I would be the person who I am today without it so so this year I'm, I'm traveling a lot and introducing this, this beautiful modality to, um, to the people who it resonates with. Um, and I'm also, um, honoring, honoring this modality by dropping down to my original, uh, rates that I offered when it was in the very beginning stages, um, which sounds like a, a little almost backwards when you've reached mm-hmm. this, this, you know, the amount of hours that you have with something, it's almost like you'd want to charge more. But for me, it's this, it's once again, going back to that word reverence, like having reverence mm-hmm. for this art yeah. or this modality. And just, um, it's just such an honor to be able to do this with people. And I learn so much. So the value that I get from, from offering this, this type of body work is just, ugh, just mind blowing. 
so I guess, you know, in essence to, to sum it up is, um, you know, the, you know, in, being on Instagram is probably the best place to see my, my comings and goings. And, and, um, I'll be offering some online classes too, that talk about, um, sexual energy transmutation and specifically how that concept and how equiasage can help with sports performance. So, yeah. So connecting on Instagram, if this resonates with anybody, um, so and that did we you can... want that to be through your personal account? Because I know that estuary retreats is at flow coach, <laughs> at flow coach, <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. This will all be, all be in the show notes and I can awesome. drop your, um, link tree into the show Wonderful. notes as well so that people can find out all that they want to know about you and reach you and contact you if this has resonated and they want to learn more. Um, but I just love two pieces of what you just shared is leaning into what you termed as the thing that saved your life, but Mm -hmm. leaning into whatever feels in greatest alignment for you and the call of your soul and getting back to your roots. I think those two messages there for the listener, I just really invite you to drop in right here, right now. And in the coming days and week to ask yourself what feels most in alignment with your soul and your soul purpose on this earth. And what does getting back to your roots mean to you? So thank you, Mm. Jesse. I absolutely have adored this conversation. I love seeing what you're doing in the world. I'd love to have you back on the podcast again, because I feel like we could just vibe (laughs) forever on so many different subjects. And I look Mm. forward to seeing how everything unfolds for you as this business expands. And Mm. yeah, I hope to see you in person again in the near future as well. Yes. Same here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you'd like to find more of Jessie and her work, her social media handles and link tree can be found in the show notes. And as always, if today's episode or the podcast as a whole have added value to your life, I would so appreciate if you could share them on your social media, share them with your loved ones, give the podcast a raving review on whatever host you're listening on. It truly means the world to me. It helps the podcast get out into more people's ears. And I just so appreciate your time and energy. And we have some incredibly exciting guests coming on the podcast in the coming weeks and months, and there are some more juicy, juicy episodes in store. So stay tuned, and thank you, as always. Much love from my big little soul to yours.